Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Have I got a special guest for you today. Oh, my goodness. I am so terribly excited. I cannot stand it because I know her. Well, I actually know of her. I watch her on TV like all the time on the Fox Business Network and on Fox News Channel. And she is one of the beautiful blonde women there who is one of the main people uh, on TV. She does finances. She does the, the five. She does the, the, the 12 o'clock show. It's just, you know, one little guy kind of a thing. It's uh, just a really, really a great honor to have her. Her name is Melissa Francis. Now, you might know her better some of you older listeners, you might know her better as Cassandra Cooper Ingalls. You might be thinking, wait a minute, I know that name from somewhere. Yeah, it's from Little House on the Prairie. Remember when you used to watch that show? Well, toward the end of the series, they needed a new eight-year-old to kind of re-energize the group and all that. And there was this, this child actress who could start crying just like that, on cue, unbelievable. One take Missy, I think they called her. And they said, uh, Michael Landon said, you know, you're the one. So she was the one who starred and kept that show going for the last few years. Anyway, she's gone on to bigger and better things, obviously. She went to Harvard. She got a degree in economics. She's been on CNBC. She's been on the Fox News Network, continues to be on the Fox News Network. She's written a best-selling book about her mom, and we will get to that in just a bit because her mom sounds like she's out of her mind. But also she has a new book, and it's called Lessons from the Prairie, Melissa Francis. So, Melissa Francis, welcome to One to Me True Radio. How you doing? How could I possibly live up to that introduction? I loved that. I'm going to replay that for myself every day, I think. <laughs> you are, I'm going to make it my ringtone. You are way, way too kind. God, I love you. I, I, I watch you all the time. I watch you when you had, when uh, Don Imus had his TV show, which, by the way, I miss terribly. I thought that was great television. And you would be on as a guest and he would be doing this psychological root canal with you regarding your crazy mom and all that. And I was just transfixed. And I was going, she must be a masochist putting up with this stuff. So I've got to ask you this first about your mom, because you did talk about her at length here. Well, not at length, but it, certainly some really important points here uh, in, in this book, the soon-to-be runaway bestseller, Lessons from the Prairie. So, Melissa Francis, let me ask you this first, right up front. Is your mom mentally ill, or is she just evil? Wow. <laughs> That's quite a question to start it out with. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily in a position to judge that because I'm not a doctor. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know that what do you think? it was a, what do you think? I, I think that she, like so many of us could use professional help and not everybody is open to that concept. I was raised in a household where my parents sort of thought that therapy was you know, like the work of charlatans, that they sort of got you hooked on going and talking about yourself in a narcissistic way, and that it was about that therapist making money. 
Um, I don't subscribe to that theory at all. Um, you know, I've been to marriage counseling with my husband. It was incredibly helpful. It helped me, you know, deal with my own different issues from childhood that I put all down in my first book, uh, Diary of a Stage Mother's Daughter. So I think therapy can be incredibly helpful. I also think that there are, I mean, this is going too deep, but I think that we're all born a certain way and you can have chemical imbalances that are just the way you're born and that there are medications that can help with that. And that might have been something that might have helped my mother. But, you know, I again, I'm not a doctor, so that's just sort of armchair psychotherapy. Wow, I can't believe this is where we're starting. (laughs) (laughs) It gets better, my dear. It gets a a lot better. Do you believe in ghosts? No. I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe that there is an afterlife. There's a whole chapter about religion in my book. I do believe um, that your soul goes somewhere else after you die. And I describe an experience in my book. It was really the moment that brought me to faith. I was asleep at the exact moment that my grandfather died, and we were very close. And I, he was in the hospital. I was asleep on a little couch. I think it was maybe seven or eight. Um, I was with my sister. We'd fallen asleep. It was late at night. We had been told that he was going to be fine. Nothing was going to happen. I woke up. My heart was racing. All of a sudden, it slowed down. I looked at the clock. I woke up my sister, and I said, Grandpa just died. And she said, oh, you're such a drama queen. Go back to sleep. You're all, ugh. You know, typical big sister, totally annoyed with me. I looked at the clock, and I would find out later that that was, in fact, the exact moment that he died. It's on his death certificate. And, you know, to me, that was him saying goodbye to me. Dana Perino here at the Fox Network um, had a very similar experience when her grandmother passed away. I do think that our spirit goes somewhere else. I don't think that's a ghost. I mean, that's not the word I use for it, but it is, you know, in part the basis to my faith. Well, yeah, you know, at 11.17 p.m. when your grandpa appears and then says goodbye. I mean, that sounded like a ghost to me, i got to tell you. That's why I asked. It was like 11.17 p.m. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it wasn't like a vision. I mean, I don't want to give you the impression I saw a ghost. No, no, it was like I woke up and I could feel it. I knew what had just happened. And I've talked to a lot of other people who've had this same experience where you're not with someone when they pass away and you know instantly and it's it's difficult to describe unless it's happened to you but I was completely asleep I woke up you know my heart was racing I knew instantly what had happened and I was certain and it wasn't frightening it was like a you know letting me know he was gone and that to me I mean I I it was very clear I've never doubted that feeling that I had at that moment you know I wasn't Particularly, I mean, I was a child. I wasn't particularly religious before that period or, you know, there's really no other way for me to explain it. And to me, that was my moment of faith when I really felt like, okay, there is something else beyond this experience that we're having here. And since that, I've read about other people having the exact same sensation. When I read about it in Dana Perino's book, I went and found her in the building and said, you had the exact same experience that I did. And we talked about it and it was identical. Like we had the identical experience, and it was in fact the moment her grandmother passed away. Wow! So Dana Perino can talk about something other than that damn dog Jasper. That's amazing. Yes, that's yes. Buried, this is not the about the dog. You buried yes. the lead. My goodness I, gracious! The dog is probably in there somewhere, but yes. How did you get to be such a great child actress, and how could you? Can you? How do you start crying on cue? How do you do that? I don't know. Maybe I'm 
an emotional basket case. I don't know. I don't know how I could cry easily. Maybe it came from years of trying to get my older sister in trouble when she had done something or I had done something and I was trying to cover for it. So you need to really produce the tears in order to get the parents sympathy. Um, I don't know that I can do it anymore because I would say the most recent time that I tried was when I got pulled over for a speeding ticket. And you know how they always say that women, if you just pour on the waterworks, you can get out of the ticket. And I tried, and the cop came up to my window, and he said to me, you are a menace. I watched you, like, go from the right to the left. You crossed four lanes. You ran the yellow. And I started roaring with laughter because I was so busted, you know, when you're caught red-handed, and I couldn't produce the tears. So I don't think I could do it anymore. But it was definitely my forte. It was my trick of the trade. There were a lot of kids that, so you've seen it. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. They can scrunch up their face. They sound like they're crying, and they're, you know, talking about whatever has happened. But there's no water coming down the front of their face. And that's how you generally know they're faking. Well, I was able for the water to come out of my eyes. And, and in television, just as a little side note, fun fact behind the scenes, when this when kids are fake crying on TV and they can't do it, they sort of cut away and the makeup person comes out and sprinkles Visine on their chick, chick, cheeks. <laughs> and then the makeup person runs away. And that's how they look like they're crying. Well, But not me. I could do it for real. This is amazing because apparently um, you could not pass that on through your Jeans. You ended up critiquing your son trying to cry. I mean, I was intrigued by this because this, yeah. your son Thompson is throwing yeah. a temper tantrum, and you're critiquing his temper well, tantrum. Tell me about that. This is, this is kind of like the parent's ultimate revenge. So he's thrown himself on the ground, and we've all seen this. I don't know. He's probably five or six, and he's flailing, and the limbs are going, and there's all kinds of woe is me, and you know, it was no doubt about something he wanted desperately and couldn't have. And I just sat there and watched him, and he's going, and he's loud, and the whole thing. And you know, I look at him and I say, you know, wow, mm, that is really not great acting. I have to tell you, when I was your age, I got paid big money to cry. And, you know, this is really what you're doing here is very subpar. And he just sort of looked at me and sat up and he goes, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, the volume is epic. I love the volume. I love what you're doing with the limbs. There's a lot of commitment there, the flailing. I love all of that. But the place you're really lacking is there's no water on your cheeks. And, and, you know, I could produce water. I got paid big money. And he goes, for this? I'm like, no, not for that. I got paid big money for crying convincingly. For that, no one would pay you. That's horrible. And he was like, he couldn't even make sense of what I, I mean, he stopped and he looked at me and like just dollar signs popped into his head and he couldn't figure it out. I'm very sad to say that since then he's gotten way better. Now all three of mine can make water come out. It's like, ugh, I shouldn't have told them. I shouldn't have told them the secret to how you know when it's real and fake. See, I, I ruined my own situation there. How stupid. Well, let me talk with you about your son, Thompson. One thing yeah. that I did not understand, and by the way, uh, the, I'm talking for my listeners, I'm talking with Melissa Francis, uh, one of the stars, really one of the stars of the Fox Business Network and uh, Fox News Channel, and also uh, one of the actresses when she was obviously you know, very young on um, a, a Little House uh, on the Prairie with Michael Landon. We'll get to him in just a bit. But in reading your book, your soon-to-be runaway bestseller, I was amazed at how you were able to convince yourself that your newborn son, Thompson, was dead 
and no one could convince you otherwise. How did you mm. convince yourself that you're, you just gave birth to this kid and you convinced yourself, oh, he's, well, he's dead? I know you're making it sound like I'm a crazy person, so let me, let me explain it a little, a little more thoroughly. So I have a blood condition that's called Factor V Leiden. It's a rare genetic mutation. You don't know you have it until something goes wrong because they don't test for it normally. And when I was pregnant with my first son, I was great for a while, kept working and traveling around the world, all kinds of things. All of a sudden, my blood pressure shot through the roof, and they thought that I had preeclampsia, which is just that high blood pressure brought on by pregnancy. Um, when, when it came time to deliver him, um, it seemed like everything was going fine, although I had been in labor for about 25 hours. And he, um, they, they were monitoring his heart and stuff. And on the way out, my blood pressure was rising and his was dropping. So when he finally emerged, he was, I describe him in the book as, you know, he was a purple and blue glistening sort of knot of slime. He just looked like, I mean, he looked dead. He was, he was blue and purple and red. And, um, you know, all the alarms were going off everywhere. My husband and I suddenly realized that there were, at least a dozen people in the room. Um, they didn't let us hold him or anything. They they whisked him away to a little side area where they had prepped kind of an emergency area to try and get him to breathe. And he never made noise. We never, they just ran him from the room and to the NICU. And to a mother who had been in labor for more than 25 hours and, you know, was told that it, everything was fine to all of a sudden have screaming alarms and more people than you'd ever seen in one room, a child who never made noise, who was, you know, blue and purple and who was whisked away before you could ever see their face or, or anything, you know, that's not the scene you see in movies. Um, he went away and I was left with just my husband and, and, you know, one person there trying to clean up and we were both in shock. You know, we just, and when my husband read this part of the book, it was really hard for him to read again because we've talked about that time, but it was, his memory was even a little different, you know, as to what was going on. It was all so confusing and, you know, his sort of order of things was a little different, but the facts were all the same and they just left the two of us. And they took the child away and no one came back for a really long time. And I just sat there and was trying to process what I had seen. And, you know, I was really in shock. And I said to him, he's dead, isn't isn't he? And he said, I think so. And no one had came, come back to tell us differently. We just saw this purple infant disappear. And eventually a doctor came back in the room and I asked him and he said, no, no, he's in the NICU, he's fine. So I said, can I see him? And he said, no. You know, your blood pressure is so high, you can't sit up, you can't be moved. And he's not well enough to be moved either. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a cynical person who's, you know, I'm a reporter. And to me, those facts seem like they're afraid I'm going to die because my blood pressure is so high. I'm not even allowed to sit up or move or anything. He's, you know, somewhere else. They're not going to tell me if he has really died because he's, you know, in an, another part of the hospital. They don't want me to kill over and die. Um, and 24 hours went by, you know, where I wasn't allowed to see him. I mean, what? I don't know. I don't know what your listeners would think in that case. My husband knew what I thought, and he went and he took a picture of him in the NICU, and what came back was horrible. You know, I mean, he had... 
he was four pounds. He had a helmet on. He had more tubes coming out of him, you know, than I imagined possible. His little skin was translucent. Um, you know, he was in an incubator. And I just felt like a total failure, you know, that the whole thing was my fault. I mean, this really, you're making me cry. It's really hard to talk about. Well, then let's change the uh, subject. I'm talking I know. So it, I think other people have been through this, but yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. now, I, now I feel awful. No, now I feel no it's okay. Because um, was, that was one of the most moving parts of your book. That's why I wanted to talk with you about it. It's like, oh, my God, what did this yeah. woman go through? Because all we see on TV is Melissa, you know, M Melissa Francis, you know, blonde, beautiful, funny, witty, you know, blah, 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 great legs, by the way. And you don't realize that there's like this whole other side of this, you, the stuff you see behind, that's behind the curtain. It's like, oh, my God. The book is Lessons from the Prairie, Melissa Francis, uh, Fox News Channel, Fox Business. And speaking of Fox, I've got to ask you this. Uh, Roger Ailes. Mm -hmm. Did he really say to you that he wanted viewers to think that they could get into bed with you? Well, it was, if you look at the text of, of you know, kind of the the story as he told it, um, it was, he, he sort of, he had this way of describing exactly, um, you know, what he said a, a perfect anchor was. Um, and he would say it's someone who, um, you know, is, uh, I, I, I have it verbatim in the book, but it's he, someone who's a, a good friend, uh, a great mom, a loyal wife, uh, can joke with the guys. And, you know, he chuckled and he said, and it's someone, um, you know, that you like to get into bed. And he used, you know, more colorful language when he said it to me again later. And, and he said, and you certainly fit in that category in my book. I didn't think much of it at the time, and I'll never know what he was thinking, um, you know, when he, when he said that. He repeated the same story a number of times when we were alone in the office, and I just thought he had gotten to that point in his life when, um, you know, you don't remember what stories you've told. You've had so many, so much talent come through your office, you don't know who you told what and didn't realize I'd heard the story a bunch of times. It never struck me as a proposition. Um, it actually struck me as a, as a decent uh, sort of description of why people like female anchors. Um, in retrospect, when I heard about the things that went on, and, you know, I, I'll, no one ever knows what really happened when there's only two people in the room have no idea. I, it's not my place to judge, to call people liars, to swear people are, t I don't know, you know. Um, but I certainly look back on those conversations and wonder now at this point. Um, you know, was that the women who were victims, and I, I just know them so well, I know they were. I mean, I know there's people I've talked to I know aren't lying, um, you know, and they describe something similar, you know, a very similar conversation. And I think I was just, you know, clueless to kind of what was, what was going on. Um, but again, I'll never know what he was thinking when he said those things. So that's it. I mean, that's kind of... That's a lot of what this book is about, is I'm going to lay out for you the honest truth about my life, about where I've been, about things that have happened, about what I was thinking. And you can judge for yourself what you think of it. I mean, I've told you what went on. And, and I think my first book reads a lot the same way, Diary of a Stage Mother's Daughter, where, you know, when people ask me, what do you think was wrong with your mother? How do you feel about this and that? 
you know, I'm just kind of lay out what happened and the facts of it and maybe how I felt about it, but I'm not really judging anyone. I mean, you read the book, you decide for yourself what you think was going on, and that's kind of who I am. God, I could listen to you all day, but I know you've got so many other media interviews lined up and all that. So um, the book is called Lessons from the Prairie, Melissa Francis. I mean, some of the notes that I made, I wanted to ask you about the great mudslide and ask you about all the spanks that you wear and uh, mommy's timeout <laughs> mommy's timeout glasses and one take missing. That's right. I said, I said, don't lean in. In fact, sit down and take a load off and have oh. a glass of wine while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. That's my mantra for women. Yes. Yeah. Uh, don't lean time- in. Out. Mommy's time out. I love that one. And one last question very quickly, and then I'll give you the microphone because I always give my guests the last word. Running a little late. God, I want to keep talking to you. Anyway, uh, when you were a kid, uh, Bill Cosby, you did a Jell-O commercial with him, right? Yes. Okay. Did he behave? I, I mean, I was so little. I was just a little kid. He seemed nice enough to me. So you, I, you weren't groggy nothing. afterward or anything like no. that? No. Oh, thank <laughs> no. God. All right. Melissa Francis, I always give my guest the last word. I'm going to hand you my short SM70 dynamic microphone. Uh, your chance to speak directly with my listeners here at One Dimitri Radio. Feel free to promote shamelessly. Uh, All right. From the Prairie, your other books, and anything and everything else, including social media. Melissa Francis, my microphone is yours. The Surprising Secrets to Happiness, Success, and Sometimes Just Survival I Learned on America's Favorite Show. It is my new survival guide. It's called Lessons from the Prairie. You can get it right now. And it is honestly the best things I have learned in my life to help me survive and be happy and get where I want to go. I put it in one book because, God forbid, something happens to me. I wanted to leave a manual for my three beautiful children. And you can read what I have put together for them to to make them have happy lives. I'm getting it out there to everyone else. I hope I make you laugh. I make fun of myself for a couple hundred pages. If nothing else, um, you know, people will be staring at you wondering while you're reading why you are laughing so hard. Please pick up the book. My kids are expensive. (laughs) Lessons from the Prairie, Melissa Francis. uh, Fantastic. Okay. Um, Good luck with your other interviews. I love looking at you. Roger is absolutely right the way he describes (laughs) you. And I wish you nothing. I wish you nothing but the best, Melissa. Really, I, I am a fan. Have a great day. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.